the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You know, a person can be just like Nebuchadnezzar and be so prideful and so stubborn toward God that God has to up the ante on that person and knock them down and lay them out on the mat to bring that person to the end of himself or herself so they finally realize their need for God. And and sadly, that's what God has to do for some people. That's what God had to do in some of our lives to get our attention because we we were too stiff-necked to listen. Are you making yourself available to listen to what the Lord has to say to you and for your life? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he shares with you the importance of having humility. Sometimes people can become so prideful that they close themselves off from the work that God wants to do through them. Unfortunately, this sometimes means that God will have to knock you down in order to gain your attention. Pastor Dan encourages you to recognize your need for the Lord now. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Daniel chapter 4 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. chapter 4. Well, chapter 4 records the conversion of King Nebuchadnezzar. And I know you, you might be thinking, I never thought that guy <laughs> would become a believer. But he does here in chapter 4, uh, which, which is a, a good reminder to us to pray for our leaders. Uh, because if God can convert Nebuchadnezzar, he can convert any leader. Uh, so we're, we're instructed in 1 Timothy to pray for our leaders. And so we should do that. Uh, the first, first three chapters of the book of Daniel, we've seen God pursuing Nebuchadnezzar really over m- or many years and even decades. God was pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. And in the previous chapters, we saw Nebuchadnezzar make kind of these, these passing acknowledgments of of God. For example, back in chapter 2, after God revealed the meaning of Nebuchadnezzar's dream through the prophet Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar declared to Daniel, truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings. And so Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God, but he wasn't converted. He wasn't converted. Then in chapter 3, when God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, and remember Jesus was walking around in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Nebuchadnezzar witnessed it with his own eyes. After that, Nebuchadnezzar declared in Daniel chapter 3, verse 28, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any other god except their own god, 
Therefore, I make a decree. The king made a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Kind of missing the whole heart of Christianity there a little bit, but his intentions are right. And their house shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Again, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that it was the Most High God that delivered them from the fiery furnace, but Nebuchadnezzar was not converted. He didn't surrender his life to God because he saw that miracle. It didn't cause him to bow his knee to the Lord. Acknowledging that you believe in God or that you believe in Jesus Christ does not mean that you have salvation or that you're born again or that you're going to heaven when you die. James chapter 2 verse 19 says, You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that. The devil and his demons believe in Jesus Christ and they're not going to heaven. So what's the difference between us and the demons? Well, the difference is repenting of your sins and surrendering your life completely to Jesus Christ to be saved. Jesus said, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God, you will perish. And and Nebuchadnezzar, again, he he made kind of these passing acknowledgments. Maybe he was impressed with the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he did not repent. And he did not surrender himself to God previous to chapter 4. Now chapter 4, he will. Nebuchadnezzar was a prideful man. And Nebuchadnezzar believed that He was the king of his life, and really the king of everything, not God. God was not king. And I would say a lot of us were that way before we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Just kind of in our arrogance and in our pride, we we believed that we were in charge, that we were on the throne, that we were in control, that we called the shots for our life and and not God. In chapter 4, God will humble Nebuchadnezzar. And God will bring Nebuchadnezzar to the point that he acknowledges God as king and Lord. As I said, God has pursued Nebuchadnezzar for for years and and, and decades. If you think about Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, God surrounded him with witnesses like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and uh, Abednego, who were witnesses to him of the true God working with him. God revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar through dreams and signs and wonders. And yet Nebuchadnezzar refused to surrender to the Lord. None of those things changed him. None of those things convinced him. And you may think, why why would God pursue someone like Nebuchadnezzar for so long? Well, for the same reason that God relentlessly pursues us. Because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. I mean, how many of you here are glad that God continued to pursue you and didn't give up on you after the first try? Everybody. So what happens now in chapter 4 is God kind of ups the ante on Nebuchadnezzar. And he's going to bring him low so that he finally lifts his eyes to God. You know, a person can be just like Nebuchadnezzar and be so prideful and so stubborn toward God that God has to up the ante on that person and knock them down and lay them out on the mat to bring that person 
to the end of himself or herself. So they finally realize their need for God. And sadly, that's what God has to do for some people. That's what God had to do in some of our lives to get our attention because we we were too stiff-necked to listen. That's what he does with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's sin was, was pride. And pride is defined as an excessively high opinion of oneself or one's importance or merit or superiority. And C.S. Lewis called pride the great sin of mankind. The Bible has a lot to say about the sin of pride, especially in the Proverbs. I just want to share a few of them with you. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. God hates pride. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. Pride brings shame. Pride is followed by shame. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with well-advised is wisdom. Pride brings strife. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. In the New Testament, in James chapter 4, verse 6, It says God resists the proud. He's against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I would say throughout the Bible, there is not a better example of the disaster of pride in a person's life than Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. Now, just a little bit about Daniel chapter 4 before we get into the text. Daniel chapter 4 is unique in the Bible because it is a first person record of Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony of his conversion. As we go through the chapter, you're going to notice that Nebuchadnezzar speaks in the first person throughout the chapter. He's sharing his personal story. It's also unique because this is an official document from the king. It's an official decree of the king to all of the people in the Babylonian Empire. So this this is an official message from the king that Daniel, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course, includes in the book of Daniel. And so after his conversion, Nebuchadnezzar used his throne as a pulpit to testify of the Most High God. I think that's pretty amazing. When you have the opportunity, use the platform that you have been given to testify of Jesus Christ. When you have the opportunity, use the platform that you have been given to testify of Jesus Christ. Don't let the culture tell you that it's not appropriate to talk about Jesus at work or at school. Don't hide your light under a basket. A few years ago, I was invited to a military promotion ceremony. And the person who received the promotion shared about the two men who were the greatest influence in his life. And one was his father who was in attendance at the ceremony. The second man was Jesus Christ. And he shared how Jesus Christ had changed his life at a promotion ceremony, not a retirement ceremony where you're walking out the door, you're never going to see those bozos again, at a promotion ceremony with a room full of his peers and subordinates and the commanding officers that were above him that were present at that ceremony. Very bold of him to use that opportunity to proclaim Christ. 
When given the opportunity, use your platform to proclaim Jesus Christ to people. That's what Nebuchadnezzar does. Notice in verse 1 again, now we have this, this record. of an, it's, it's an official statement. It's an official document from the king to the people of his kingdom. And it reads as such. It begins, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. Look what he says. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. I mean, this reads like something that the Apostle Paul would write, or something you would read in the Psalms, penned by David. But this is written by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Again, in verse 2, he says, I I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. Let me tell you what God has done for me, he says, in my life. Let me tell you my story. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a story to share. You have a testimony to tell of what God has done in your life and how he has saved you. And God wants you to share your story with people. God doesn't want you to be silent about what he has done in your life. Satan wants you to be silent. Satan wants you to think it's not appropriate for me to talk about that here. God tells you to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. And there's no exception to that. There's no exception to that. In verse 3, Nebuchadnezzar says God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar was a great king, but he recognized that God was far greater. And beginning in verse 4, he tells the story of his conversion. Here's how it happened. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my palace and flourishing in my palace. I was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid in the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. So Nebuchadnezzar was at rest. He was flourishing. And yet he was afraid. And he was troubled. And you read that, and I don't know about you, but I think, what could possibly trouble a guy like Nebuchadnezzar? Man, what could make the most powerful man on all the earth afraid, fearful? Nebuchadnezzar shows us that a person can have all the world offers, can have all the wealth and power and prosperity and security and comfort, and none of it brings peace. None of it brings peace. In our, in our culture, we see many celebrities who seem to have it all, and yet we read about their struggles with drug addiction or alcohol or depression or suicide 
or their personal lives are in a shambles. And they have it all, but they don't have peace. You think, how can that be? Well, the reason is real peace only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the Prince of Peace. And Jesus gives us peace with God through the cross, through his shed blood. And Jesus gives us the peace of God, a peace that passes all understanding, the Bible says. He said, in, in, in the world you'll find trouble, but in me you'll find peace. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord and who trusts in the Lord. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's troubled by a dream. He can't sleep. This is just like back in chapter 2. He had that previous dream, but that was you know 30 years ago. Now he's troubled here by this dream. So verse 5, he says, I, I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts of my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree, because that's what kings do, to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. Remember, they, I've mentioned before, back in chapter 2, uh, the, the Babylonian soothsayers and wise men, they had like books where you've the details of the dream. They can look it up in a book and they can kind of cross-reference it and tell you, well, this is what the book says your, your dream means. And so he tells them the dream. He asked for the interpretation, but once again, the Babylonian wise men were unable to interpret the king's dream. Or maybe they were just too afraid to tell the king the interpretation of his dream because the dream depicted God's judgment upon the king. And so maybe they said, you know, we we just can't find it in our book. (laughs) I I don't know. We can't help you. Bye. You know, kind of thing. Best of luck. Now look at verse 8 and notice how it's worded. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. This is, again, this is Nebuchadnezzar writing. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying. So he says here in verse 8, at at last the king called for for Daniel. Why at last? Why did he call Daniel last? Why didn't he call Daniel first? Non-believers often turn to God last. After All their other options have failed them. All of his other options have failed him. Well, now I'll call Daniel. He calls him last. And notice in verse 8, Nebuchadnezzar describes Daniel as a man in whom the spirit of the holy God dwells. Three times in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar describes Daniel in this way. Look at verse 9. Belteshazzar, chief of the musicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, And no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar said in verse 9, I know the spirit of the holy God is in you. A pagan king. Now at this point, it's estimated that Daniel has served the king for more than 30 years. And over that time, Nebuchadnezzar has come to see the spirit of God in Daniel. He's a pagan. He's a non-believer. But he knew that the spirit of God dwelt in and Daniel. So let me ask you a question. Can people see the Spirit of God in you? Do they recognize the Spirit of God in you? Do they see the fruit of the Spirit in you? 
and in your conduct? Is it evident to others, with people who work with you or go to school with you or are around you? Say, I, I know he's a Christian or I know she's a Christian. I, I can just tell by their manner of life. God's spirit dwells in him. God's spirit dwells in her. Notice also in verse 9, Nebuchadnezzar says of Daniel, no secret troubles you. That's not, that's not something that Nebuchadnezzar can say about himself. But for Daniel, man, nothing troubles you, Daniel. You've worked for me for 30 plus years and I, I've, I've, never, I've never seen you get rattled. I, I've never seen you bothered by anything. Nebuchadnezzar noticed that Daniel had a peace in his life that Nebuchadnezzar himself lacked. Our faith in Jesus Christ should bring peace in our lives. God's perfect love casts out all fear. And, and the, the world around us is, is freaking out and worried about everything. Much of what they're worried about isn't even real. But we have the peace of God guarding our hearts and guarding our minds through Christ Jesus. And it's a peace that hopefully other people notice that we're not freaking out and we're not worried. And so in verse 10 now, Nebuchadnezzar begins to describe his dream to Daniel and details it for us. These were the visions of my head while on my bed I was looking and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great and the tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches and all flesh was fed from this tree. So in this dream, Nebuchadnezzar explains he sees a tree and note the details that are given about this tree. Note first its location. It's in the midst of the earth or in the middle of the earth. It's notice its height. Its height was great. It's reaching to the heavens. Its strength in verse 11, it grew and became strong. It could be seen by the entire earth. It was super productive in verse 12. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant. It provided for everyone, food for all. It says it provided shelter for animals and birds. The beasts found shade under its tree and the birds dwelt in its branches. And notice at the end of verse 12, every creature on the earth was fed from this tree. But then notice verse 13, what happens? I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, that's an angel, a holy one coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Notice, and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. So in his dream, Nebuchadnezzar saw a watcher or an angel deliver this decree from the Most High, that the tree was to be cut down, leaving only a stump, and the stump was to be bound with iron and bronze, which are metals of judgment in the Bible. So this is judgment. But then notice in verse 16, there's a a shift in the pronouns. Again, let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast. Let seven times pass 
over him. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Daniel. Regardless of the various leaders that Daniel finds himself under, it's obvious through Daniel's accounts that God is higher and greater than any earthly king. He alone holds the dominion and power that others so often strive to attain. Daniel never lost sight of this, and it was only confirmed time and time again, as God came through in unlikely situations. If today's message has struck a chord with you, we'd like to talk with you. Please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. If you're not connected yet with the local church, we highly encourage you to find a church home It will help guide and support you in your growing faith. If you're ever in the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Each week, we gather together for a time of worship and Bible study, and we'd love to meet you. Visit our website at calvaryec.com to find directions and service times. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Dan will have more to share from the book of Daniel next time right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes willingness and a conscious choice. You need not guess there's a ring of truth that is unmistakable and knowing that you cannot find alone and General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.